Okay, so we're three years in. And where did this whole COVID thing actually start? Yeah, let's talk about that. Instead of focusing on winning arguments, we're teaching the basic fundamentals of sales and marketing and how we can use them to win in the world of politics, teaching you how to meet people where they're at on the issues they care about. Welcome to The Brian Nichols Show. Well, happy Monday there, folks. Brian Nichols here on The Brian Nichols Show. Thank you for joining us on, of course, another fun-filled episode. I am, as always, your humble host, joining you live from our Stratus IP studios here in lovely, lovely eastern Indiana. Don't let cyber attacks or outdated business technology put your company at risk. Learn more at briannicholshow.com forward slash Stratus IP. And speaking of keeping things safe, oh man, we have a big conversation to unpack today, and that is talking about where the failings were in our public health uh, world, but also in the world of defense. And we're going to talk about specifically how we got to, yes, where we are today with COVID-19 and this pandemic. And we're going to ask and hopefully answer that question where did this all start? So joining us today from Panda, returning to the show, Nick Hudson. Welcome back to The Brian Nichols Show. Thanks very much, Brian. It's been a while and I'm very happy to be back. It sure has been a while because uh, let's think, since the last time you were on the show, you were nuked off Twitter. Um, mm-hmm. You pretty much, I mean, I, I had some folks here on Panda on the show, but I know you, a beer, a few other folks there from Panda were completely Kenyan, axed. Yes. Yep. And, and then... Elon Musk all of a sudden takes over. We start seeing what happened behind the scenes. And all of a sudden, some good folks like you start popping back up there on social media. So talk to us. What's been going on since you were last in the show? Well, it's been a lot. And it's been a, a completely wild journey, hasn't it? <laughs> um, Panda, the organization that I'm chairman of, uh, continues to perform its work as a kind of multidisciplinary thought leadership organization, incorporating the whole gamut of analysis of covid from the basic science through to the political aspects. And I think one thing that has become more and more accepted by a majority of people is that COVID is a political and not a medical phenomenon. Mm. Well, let's dig into that, right? And this kind of goes into the the conversation about, well, where did COVID come from? And we saw from the very beginning, Nick, if we even ask that question, censored, offline, deplatformed, you aren't trusting the experts, you're not following the science. And that speaks to, I think, a lot of where we are today with the the mistrust and, frankly, the, the absolute rejection of a lot of narratives coming from our public health authorities. So I guess we have to kind of unwind to understand where we are today and how we got here. So let's kind of go back to, yes, the origins of COVID. And this has been a very touchy subject. And I guess we're starting to uncover a lot more that we didn't know, or at least we thought we knew and we did know, but now we're being proven right. Can you dig into a little bit of that? Yeah, sure. And I think we're at the stage now where for thinking people, it's reasonably uh, easy to say to them that it's not about the origins of COVID, the virus. It's about the origins of the COVID narrative. Mm. That's where a thinking person's attention should be focused right now. So this Project Veritas sting that's been making such a a noise in certain quarters, I mean, it's it's very interesting, don't get me wrong, and I I think this kind of uh, work needs to be done, but it focuses on the wrong question. That's all about the virus and gain-of-function research and all that kind of thing. That is completely irrelevant to the question of the origins of COVID, because as I say, it's about a narrative, not about a virus. 
we, we know very well that uh, many, many countries around the world had high prevalence in 2020 of COVID, very high seropositivity. Almost the whole countries get the, the virus and they have no excess mortality. Mm. So that blows up the novel deadly virus narrative. To the extent that this thing was no, no, novel, it didn't matter. It wasn't consequential, novelty. And it, the, the thing was definitely not something we should have ever described as deadly. So I'm parking that. We're not going to discuss that in any detail. There's plenty of work on Panda's website. I've, I've spoken about, about it a great detail, in a, in a great level of detail in presentations and other podcasts. So let's blow straight through that and say, okay, so what have we got? A non-novel, non-deadly virus, supposedly, again, irrelevant. What we really had that was the problem was a set of extremely pernicious memes that were propelled around the world by propaganda. Mm. So the origins question is really about the origins of the propaganda. And there, there are a couple of points to be made. The first one is that this very notion of pandemic viruses, pandemic deadly viruses, pan novel pandemic deadly viruses, had been propagandized extensively before the advent of COVID. We'd never seen one. Um, you, know, you can make an argument for 1918 uh, Spanish flu, but it's a very weak one because that came at the end of one of the most grueling apocalyptic wars the planet had ever seen that drew in people by the hundreds of million into uh, into a, a, a truly Hadean kind of set of circumstances. So to find that the population was in a weakened and febrile state after that event is not too surprising. We wouldn't have expected that at any time since, and we haven't seen it any time since. So we, <clears throat> we now have this emergent story of a, a whole industry, the biodefense industry, coming up over decades. They keep on warning the world of the potential for engineered viruses and uh, gain-of-function viruses, which might emerge from what's called serial passage research in a lab. That was exactly what that vapid wastrel of a executive from Pfizer was talking about in his drunken ball, uh, bar, bar stool conversation. Um, <clears throat> but those, this narrative was that it was possible for people to engineer viruses in the lab and to predict their consequences in the real world. And I firmly believe that that is a bullshit construct. We, we, that, that science and technology does not exist. It's one thing to be able to see a mutation. It's a completely different thing to predict what will happen when a virus or, or a set of nucleotides or a protein with that mutation is, is inserted into the, the real world. And same thing with serial passage experiments where they note an increase in virulence or transmissibility in the monkeys or humanized mice or lab rats or whatever they've got going in their lab. To, to observe that change and to predict that it will have real-world consequences when it ends up in human society is, is a completely kind of it, – it takes, it takes a foolish person to make those predictions in any firm way. So that whole the whole narrative which undergirds the at least the viral aspects of the bioterrorism bioweapons construct 
is a failed one. And that's why these guys had to resort to fake epidemics like the swine flu of 2009, a completely fake scenario, like Zika, completely fake. Um, they, they needed to keep their industry going to at least excite some excitement from time to time. And they, they, as, as much as their um, actual bioweapons research was a failure, their efforts in the past to, to, to excite a hysteria around a fake epidemic also failed. But they were learning their lessons as they went along, and this time around they succeeded. So, and, oh, yeah. sorry, go ahead. No, go ahead. So what we, what we saw at the beginning that made it very clear that, this was, that there was some kind of intelligence agency involvement here is that we all saw those videos coming out of China of people like keeling over on the streets and dying mm. on the spot. And we all know that that's not our, now we know that that's not our COVID works. So those were fake. And they went around the world. And it was not that, that event, the propagandized videos, that was interesting. But what, what was even more interesting is that the intelligence community of the Western nations did nothing to stop it. And that meant for sure that they were in on the game, no question. They're incompetent and incapacitated organizations in many places. But they're astonishingly well-funded, and a simple thing like this is well within their remit and well within their competence to, to deal with. Um, and that they, they, they chose not to. And that meant that they were in on the game. You, we don't need a Fauci expose about you know, Wuhan viral research being funded through dark money pools, through eco-alliance and all that kind of stuff. We don't need to prove that Fauci was lying relentlessly in front of in his congressional testimony and so on. Um, that may all be the case, but we need none of that to detect the intelligence agency involvement. We also see from FOIA documents, emails, how it was indeed the spooks who were the first ones to contact the, um, the virology and pandemics industry um, and to tell the leaders of that organization that, falsely that there was a bioweapon on the loose, that they couldn't uh, let that be known because the general population would panic. How convenient. So it got the virologists and the, and the epidemiologists all moving and excited and doing their thing. This is what they kind of live for. It's the purpose of their existence is to one day fight a deadly pandemic instead of just sitting in dark and dusty studies um, mulling over sequences of Trump genomes. Um, and they were very successful in scaring the living daylights out of the, the virology community who then went and scared the living daylights out of their politicians. I think that's kind of one part of the origin story. That little chain of events looks fairly clearly to be the case. Um, the part that I said, when the part at the beginning that I don't want to allow to sort of drift away is that I said they said there was a bioweapon but I believe that they knew there wasn't one. They knew there wasn't one. And now, a word from our sponsors. In the world of wine, there are so many choices, and that's why Blood of Tyrants Wine has tyrants losing their heads. Whether you're looking for a new go-to at home or want to impress your friends at a party, Blood of Tyrants Wine has you covered. And if you're trying to get rid of some pesky tyrants in your life, well, we've got that covered too. Head to briannicholshow.com forward slash wine and get $5 off your order. One more time, briannicholshow.com forward slash wine. Free men don't ask permission, so take a sip. You'll be glad you did. 
And that is where the story, as far back as you can go with certainty. You, so what, to summarize, you have this industry that's been set up to find uh, potential methods to generate bioweapons and to defend against them. It produces around zero over many decades of research because it's based on false premises, which we can go into just now. Um, they're sitting there waiting. They've tried to get things amped up in the past. This time they want to do it again. And the opportunity presents in somehow in 2020. Now, I don't even think they need a virus. When the extent to which they managed the propaganda and the, the flow of information was so profound that I think you could do this at any day of, the, of any year um, with any, any circulating bug. Every year we have something that's more prevalent than, something, than, than the other things. And if you just said, look, we've got a, 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 a more this year it's a more dangerous version of the adenovirus or the rhinovirus or RSV or um, in, influenza or whatever the case may be. You just told everybody that and then started testing using these ridiculous PCR tests that are you know, jacked up to stupid sensitivities so that they'll detect just about anything and anything. Um, then you've got a pandemic and a panic and a hysteria and people will die because you will cause changes to be made, not, not to what the disease burden is, but to the way healthcare is dealing with them. The standard of, standards of care all get messed up. People start being isolated, which is bad for them. People start being moved from facility to facility, which is bad for them, particularly if they're old. And people start being denied treatment, whether it's early treatment or general treatment, doesn't matter. If you deny them treatment, they will suffer. You could, if they, if you do what the World Health Organization did and advise against the use of antibiotics, then people will die. If you stick people on ventilators, they will die. If you dose them with remdesivir, they will die. So endless is the list of, you know, worsening in standards of care. And when you have that, people will die. And that's what happened. The, this was not a case of the deaths following the spread of a virus. It was the case of the deaths following the spread of a PCR test and a panic. And we can see that very robustly in the statistical science. Uh, a viral spread will leave a telltale trace in the data. A bit like the way you drop a stone into a pond, you'll see ripples. We can't see those ripples. They're not there. They do not exist in anybody's granular data. So what we did do see, on the other hand, is the spread of testing kits. And that's what we, we encountered was testing into an, an, an already positive community of people, followed by panic and changes in the standards of care in hospitals all around the Western world. And what followed that was death. Um, so that's, that's the setup. You can do this any time of the year. Now, the question is, was there any apparatus sitting above the intelligence agencies of the West? Mm. That's number one. And number two, what was the involvement or the relationship with China? Because it was where this stupid, stupid idea of lockdown, stupid from a public health perspective, of course, it could be a fairly intelligent idea if, you have, if you're an evil somebody trying to in, launch an epidemic for monetary reasons or for reasons of political agenda. But it's a stupid idea, lockdown. So it originates in China. Um, 
gets picked up in Italy uh, for for reasons which are increasingly understood, but which I think we won't have time to go into. Um, and the question is whether that was by arrangement or by uh, mutual alignment of interests or whether China was manipulating the, the intelligence communities of the West, as Michael Sanger suggests, or the other way around, that there was a kind of, uh, you know, what do you call it, a double uh, uh, spy? What is that called again? Oh, um, no, double agent. Double agent, yeah. Mm. There's a double agency kind of situation going on where that's the Western intelligence communicate, uh, community, uh, community manipulating the CCP. That's that's where I sort of stop and I I, I say we I, I wouldn't like to make any firm predictions in that regard. But the other thing that and the other part of it is yeah there there are signs actually that there was a laboratory something or other in this um, in in the virus. As I said, I don't think it mattered much. Uh, but that in itself is well. How did that come to pass? That there was this little uh, bacteria-like furin cleavage site suddenly spread around the world, uh, you know. And and when was it actually released? I think the the argument for a point origin in Wuhan in some specific time in late 2019 that just doesn't make any sense whatsoever. There, I don't see any evidence for that. Um, and it's a it's a ridiculous claim. Um, you know the the rate of transmission just is way beyond what is clinically conceivable. Um, and it does, as I say, there's no statistical signal for that. So th there was something either that had uh, been at spreading considerably earlier, um, and how the question of how this. Uh, fairly artificial looking element came to insert itself into the virome is, is an interesting one. It's an interesting scientific question, but not a very interesting political question. Well, I guess my question to that will be, do you see any ray of hope? Because I've seen at least a lot of folks that were politically agnostic or dare we say, you know, head in the sand. They weren't really paying attention to what was happening in the world, more focused on their day-to-day, -day, suddenly now aware of what's happening and are much more guarded about what would happen in the future. Do you see any solace in the future saying, hey, maybe some folks are aware of what we experience and they're going to be prepared for, for next time? Yes, I, I do see plenty of hope in that regard. I mean, the fact that I'm even saying any of these, you know, that awareness of intelligence community participation and involvement was a very early thing, right? That was my first thought when I saw these videos, uh, not so much the videos themselves, but the fact that they spread so virally mm -hmm. without any countermeasures. Very much like Ukraine uh, too, if you notice, like the the yes. ghost of uh, Kiev, all those stories, the island of Ukrainian soldiers who told the Russian boat to go F themselves, like all that ended up being fake. And and to your point, yes. it all went hyper viral very quickly. Yeah, that one's easier to understand because that you know we, you can see that this is a NATO provocation. The story that you know Putin woke up one day, uh, you know, got up on the wrong side of the bed and went <laughs> mad and invaded Ukraine. The way George Soros tries to present it in his articles is just you know ridiculous. You have to just laugh. And uh, there's obvious, obviously, a decade long or more 
systematic buildup in provocation by NATO, leading to eventually a conflict that appears to have been inevitable and where they had a fair amount of control as to when they were going to spike it. Um, so there, the, the absence of uh, intelligence agency retaliation against misinformation isn't even expected because they, it's probably they're probably the source, you know. Uh, so, um, yeah, it, but it, it does it is a warning and it's a, a kind of I think people are starting to wake up, you know. Even though we saw that at the beginning, I could not speak about it. I would never speak. I would very seldom speak about it in a very guarded fashion because the. Audi- there was no audience for that kind of stuff. People would just look at you as if you were mad. You know? yep. um, now you can say that and people will say, oh, that's interesting. Look what he's talking about. Um, and, and so I can talk about the, probably everything in COVID um, that I want to talk about now. And that's because people have come along. People are starting to wake up in sufficiently large numbers. Um, and I'm very pleased about that because it was terrible to watch the, the you know, so many uh, stories that were completely ridiculous. You know, the two conspiracy theories, the ones that they, that, you know, are actually disinformation and are actually the machinations of man and, and crazy people, th- those would sort of go uncensored because, of course, there's no need to censor idiots. You only censor the truth. Um, and uh, then you, and so they spread around and it did look like there were a lot of crazy conspiracy theorists out there, but conspiracies are real. They're ever present. There are lots of open conspiracies. And um, that's not a crazy thing to say. I mean, in a way, every board me- every boardroom meeting that ever happens on the planet is a conspiracy of very little openness. Um, they, we, we, you know, people conspire all the time. It's a bit of a silly thing to fling around as a, as a, as a slur. And so now it's a question of working out what alignments of interest there were and uh, how the, what went on behind or above the level of the intelligence community, if anything. Well, that's just the tip of the iceberg. And unfortunately, we can't dig deep into that because we are already hard pressed for time. So, Nick, we will definitely have to make a part two, part four, actually, if you think about it, because this is uh, the the third time you've been on the show. Um, So, folks, we will include those old episodes in the show notes. Make sure you go check those out. Nick mentioned, yes, he has gone on many a podcast, outlined everything that you've heard today in hyper detail, in more uh, detail, actually, in some of the earlier cases of the origins of COVID, what we knew, when we knew it. And also, there was that great talk that you had given um, back, I forget, it was like beginning of January 2021, and you were on my show not even, I think it was a couple days later, YouTube ended up nuking that video, so you knew that right there, things were starting to hit on the uh, the, the buttons, that people in, in leadership and in charge were starting to get uncomfortable, because to your point, yes, people do not censor idiots, they censor the truth, and uh, with that That's being right. said, we want people to make sure that they can't censor you, so where can they go ahead and find you, God forbid you ever get nuked on social media again, Nick, where can folks continue the conversation with you, but also learn more about Panda? My handle on uh, Twitter is Nick Hudson CT, CT for Cape Town, at Nick Hudson CT. Panda's handle on Twitter is at Pandata19. Our website is www.pandata.org. And what I would like people to do is to go and take a look at the work we're doing in this more political area, because we're well known as an organization for our science and data analytics uh, work, which I believe has been vindicated thoroughly over time. Um, it, people who are completely unfamiliar with us can start at my pinned tweet, which is 
still got that presentation from March 2021 that you're referring, the one that went viral and then it was banned on YouTube. That still stacks up. Everything in it has, has survived. This stood the test of time. Nothing been refuted. Um, so you can take a look at that to get a sense of the quality of the work. And then consider making a donation to fund this work because it's work of the kind that is not being is not going to be done at our universities or institutions of public health or politics because they're as captured as the very worst uh, pharmaceutical-owned uh, drug approval people at the FDA. So please do consider making a donation, no matter how small. Uh, we we have well-governed organisation with uh, proper controls in place. Nobody on the executive and director level gets paid. It's a not-for-profit organisation. So an extremely high percentage of the money donated actually goes towards doing the work that people hope for us to do. Good stuff. Well, we'll make sure we include all that in the uh, the show notes. And yeah, that's one of the benefits, by the way, of uh, speaking truth always is that you don't have to worry about having all the stuff that you've put out there being retracted or having to be corrected because, yeah, we were actually following the science. We were looking at the data and yeah, I go through I, and I have three years now worth of podcast episodes. And I don't think that there's one podcast episode I've done where I felt that what we put out wasn't going to stand true to today. And it still is true. So I think that's a, to your point, something that it really speaks to people right, Nick. So with that being said, thank you folks uh, for joining us. This is an important conversation and do me a favor, do Nick a favor, help uh, spread the word by sharing today's episode. And when you do, please tag yours truly at B Nichols Liberty and go ahead and tag Nick as well. We include all those links in the show notes. Plus, you can find all 670 other episodes of The Brian Nichols Show where we've dug through so many different aspects of the uh, the COVID conversation from business owner perspective to the science conversation, political conversation, all that in between, all those available at briannicholsshow.com. And by the way, if you're over there and you're getting some value and you want to go ahead and rock the uh, the Brian Nichols Show swag, well, you can go ahead and get some awesome stuff like where you have our good ideas, don't require for snapback, hoodie that I'm wearing today, as well as so many other things, garden signs, uh, bumper stickers, you name it, we have it. Use code TBNS at checkout and uh, you'll get 10% off. Oh, we have a really good one too. It's called Stop Trusting Government Bureaucrats. That's a good uh, shirt you can get over there as well. But that's all we have for you. With that being said, Brian Nichols signing off here on The Brian Nichols Show for Nick Hudson from Panda. We'll see you tomorrow. Thanks for listening to The Brian Nichols Show. Find more episodes at briannicholsshow.com. Enjoying the audio version of the show? Then you'll love our YouTube channel. Be sure to head over there and subscribe. And if you're new to The Brian Nichols Show, be sure to head to your favorite podcast catcher and click download all unplayed episodes so you don't miss one of our nearly 500 episodes that will be sure to leave you educated, enlightened, and informed. If you got value from today's episode, can you do me a favor and head to briannicholsshow.com forward slash support and leave us a $5 donation? And by the way, have you given the show a five-star review yet? If not, head to Apple Podcasts and tell folks why you listen to the program and don't forget to tell your friends to subscribe too. Follow me on social media at B Nichols Liberty. And again, if you'd be so kind, please consider making a donation to the Brian Nichols Show at briannicholsshow.com forward slash support.